introduce Tommy because you do a great job introducing him. So I'm going to allow Rob to introduce Tommy to us. And personally, a few minutes with him can change your life forever. A few minutes. And I really mean that, Pastor Tommy, because Mumbai changed my life forever for this one year. And just this morning time, just having a conversation with you is such a blessing. Such a blessing. Tommy's a good friend, so I can introduce him that way for sure. But uh, I think most of you probably know Tommy Tinney's books. How many of you have read God Chasers? How many of you have heard of the book God Chasers? Uh, yeah, absolutely many of you. Um, Tommy is uh, really uh, one of the leading, if not the leading author in the Christian church today around the world. Uh, authored more than 30 different books. Um, preaches at the largest conventions, conferences, churches around the world. And I could talk about all those different things, but I think the thing I love about him the most is that he just has such a sincere heart for the Lord. He's one of the most humble leaders I've ever met in the church today. I mean, he always comes whenever we ask, and the thing that he loves most is, is coming to India to invest in young people. He wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you, and he loves you very much. Welcome, Tommy Tinney. Thank you. I, uh, I'm excited to be here on your Independence Day. What a great anniversary. Uh, when I hear my friend Rob introduce me, hear the words that uh, come to my mind. My own wife would not recognize me from that glowing description. I always uh, don't even recognize myself. I look around, who are they talking about? But on this Independence Day, this anniversary, by the way, we share something in common. Today is my anniversary. Yeah. Thirty-five years ago, I got married. I don't know if I'm celebrating my independence or my slavery. <laughs> but uh, it's been an incredible journey uh, with my wife. And you know you have a great wife when she says, No, it's okay. You go to India. Now, what I need to tell you is while I'm here in India, she has been depositing my, daughter, my youngest daughter at Oral Roberts University, so she's been a little distracted, and I figured that they can take care of getting her deposited. I went with them for the first couple of days and left basically from there. If I look that cool in a hat, I would wear one. Doesn't he look great? But I'm, I'm here with you. My wife said, it's okay, you can go there on my 35th anniversary, but I think what she didn't, didn't say is, you better bring me back some gifts from India. So tomorrow will be devoted to judiciously searching out something appropriate to bring her. And India's a beautiful place. I'm sure I'll find something. How many of you are excited about what God has for you? Okay, hold on. Some of you, are, how many of you are alive? How many of you are not? 
I was afraid. You guys are pretty sharp. Nobody raised their hand. Any place else if I'd ask that, people are just, yeah, okay, yeah. No, no, I'm not alive. We were going to pray for you, have a miracle. Thank you, Pastor Chadwick, for helping host this conference and for Rob's vision. I I, I set a record, uh, today's Sunday, I set a record Friday. You, you like when people set rec- new records? I uh, preach all the time. I'm in about 150 cities a year. That's that's rough, and I uh, often do certain. But I spoke six times on Friday. I think that's a record. I, I don't know. So I, all I know is I left a considerable deposit of myself here. And talking to people about writing. Uh, how many of you love to read? Okay, how many of you just say, no, I don't like to read? Thank you for not advertising your ignorance. I'm going to keep working on you until you think before you raise your hand. And the next thing I was going to say is, how many of you are Christians? See, you were thinking, I saw some of you like, is, is this. <laughs> Some people say, yeah, I'm not into books, I just, I'm not, except for the Bible. Uh, do you know that the Apostle Paul, the, the new, if the New Testament church only bought into the philosophy that the only thing you could read was the Bible, then when the Apostle Paul wrote a letter, in the contemporary words, we would call it a letter, to a group of Christians in, in Ephesus, and someone came in and said, oh, we need to all read this. What if there were some there who were so spiritual that said, no, uh, all I read is the Bible? They would miss out on reading what was the letter to the Ephesians. So I, I'm, I want to encourage you. Leader, how many of you want to be a leader? Say, you're looking around again. Do I want to be a leader? No, leaders just say, yes, I want to be a leader. Leaders are readers. And readers are leaders. So you cannot separate one from the other. Uh, do you, have you had the opportunity to... Um, how, how many of you are glad that you... I got, I got the question. I know how to ask it. How many of you wish you knew something five years ago that you know now? Some of you, you're still afraid I'm going to trick you. You've learned something in the past five years or maybe ten years even that you said, if I had known back then what I understand now, I may not have made some mistakes that I've made or some bad decisions People ask me sometimes about my books and that I've written so many, they'll say, wow, how long does it take you to write a book? And that's not really even the best question. The best question is not how long it takes me to write a book, but how long it takes me to learn what I needed to know to write the book. And in some instances, I had an unfortunate uh, thing happened about uh, two months ago, someone stole my Bible. Can you believe that? 
if they just told me they needed a Bible, I would have brought them, bought them a brand new Bible. But the, they stole my Bible with all of my notes in it. I'm still, I need you to pray for me to get a spirit of forgiveness because I'm work. Steal a Bible. Because I had some notes and things in there, that it's a Bible I'd been using for 13 years. It's just, uh, you know, you get used to, I even knew which side of the page verses were going to be on. And, and I, uh, I had to reconstitute some of my notes. So when I went back home and was going through my files to make sure I'd had copies of things, I ran across a, a note that I had written to myself and it, it was a note that I'd written to myself a, about uh, 20 years before. I'm an old guy. I've got four grandchildren, uh, three daughters, two grown, one in college. I'm, I'm old, okay? So I have notes that are older than some of you. In fact, I have ties that are older than some of you. That's a shame, isn't it? In this note I read, and it, it said something, and I remember where I was when that thought occurred to me, when, when that little seed thought, that germination of something began. And 20 years later, I looked back, and that thought had become a book. So in, in essence, it took me 20 years to accumulate... Uh, enough knowledge to be able to turn that thought into a full book. And some people say, no, you know, I'm just not into reading. And my answer is, why would you not want to learn in two months what it took me 20 years to learn? That puts you years ahead of the curve. So I'm going to encourage you. I don't care. Get Rob Hoskins' book. I'm I'm pray, Pastor Chadwick needs to be released as an author so the whole world, I'm working on him about writing. That's, uh, I'm going to let him get healed from his surgery for a week and then you start your book. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. How many of you will pray for Pastor Chadwick to have a, an anointing to write? Okay. They're all praying for you. They're expecting something. In three months, we want a book. No pressure. <laughs> One of the things I've, been, I've often written about is the book of Esther. I want you to open your Bible to the book of Esther, chapter 2. And uh, just going to spend a few minutes here. I want to talk to you about this subject, favor. How many of you would love to have favor? Okay, Some, how many of you don't want favor? You just, talk to me. Hello, how many of you want favor? Do you, do you understand the power of favor? It doesn't, it doesn't take uh, huge amounts of favor to change your destiny. In fact, favor in small doses can forever change your life. Uh, you, you don't need a hundred days of favor. One day of favor can be worth more than a lifetime of labor. 
You can work your whole life and it not put you where one day a favor can place you. Oh, that's good. I want to say that again. You can work your whole life and it not put you where one day a favor can place you. Favor is a... The reason I use the word favor when I talk about Esther is the word favor is found in virtually every every chapter of the book of Esther. And uh, some chapters, in fact, chapter 2, we're going to read it. It's in there there two times. Uh, But it's not... uh, it's, it's not about favor in terms... Well, I wanna, let's read this so you'll understand the difference. Esther chapter 2. Esther is... The story of Esther is really amazing. Uh, one of the things I was privileged to do is we made a movie about the life of Esther. And uh, it was a major movie. 20th Century Fox was our partner. And guess what? It was filmed entirely on location here in India. So I don't know if they have them in the bookstore or whatever, but it's filmed in Jodhpur and uh, the state of Rajasthan. I spent a lot of time there. It's hot there. Actually, it's hot here in Chennai. Uh, But the story of Esther is how a young peasant girl turns into a queen. Uh, Let's talk about... You can't understand the power of favor until you understand where favor took Esther. And here's what, here's what I want you to walk out of today's or to this morning's session with. I want you to walk out thinking that if God can do that for Esther, He can do it for me. Amen. Esther, life had not been kind to Esther. Uh, she wasn't born, we know she became queen, but she wasn't born in the palace. She, she, wasn't, uh, she didn't come from a royal lineage. In fact, let me give you just a few, uh, a few things about the background of Esther because some people think, oh, I understand favor. Favor is what happened to people like Rob Hoskins. Favor is what happens to people like uh, Chadwick Mohan. Favor is what happens to people like Tom, but favor can never happen to me. I beg your pardon? That's why you need to use Esther as the poster girl for favor. Because Esther didn't, she wasn't born to a royal family. Esther, uh, here, here, Esther was an orphan. And if anyone in life doesn't have a good chance to be successful, everyone would know an orphan without the support and the benefit of a family and parents to lovingly care for you, they are at a certain disadvantage. Esther was taken in by what is ostensibly an uncle and and I'm sure he loved her and cared for her, but nothing could replace the absence of a mother or a father. Esther is an orphan. Not only is Esther an orphan, but Esther is a woman. Now, I have nothing against women. I'm not speaking of them in terms of... By the way, I have three children, all girls. I had three grandchildren, all girls. I've been swimming in a sea of estrogen. And one year ago, this month, 
reinforcements arrived and I got a grandson and he and I have some man-to-man talks. (laughs) Nothing against girls. But in the day that Esther lived, women had very little power. They had absolutely no authority. They had no right over themselves. Women were little more than property. And I know that India is fastly moving into the era where there is less gender prejudice and the church needs to lead in that area. That we need to understand that, well, when I was a a small boy, I don't know, my dad said I've always had a propendency to get in trouble. One time my mom and dad were in the car and having a, a joking argument, not really an argument, and just joking. And my my mom, I was in the back seat playing with my toys, and my mom jokingly said, "Oh, so you think all you men are so smart?" She said, "Where would you men be without us women?" And I spoke up from the back seat, and I said, "In the Garden of Eden." I was theologically profound at a young age. (laughs) I was also, uh, it's gotten me in trouble. (laughs) Because I don't know where we would be without women. Women are are part and a parcel of what God has created for this world. They are all that's good and beautiful. They are all that is strength and We need to lift up the place of women in our lives. And as the church, we must lead the way. Now, when I talk about Esther being at a disadvantage and the fact that she was an orphan, that puts her at a disadvantage. If if there are gender prejudices that exist in our modern societies, can you imagine what the gender prejudice would have been like in the country of Persia 3,000 years ago. That put Esther at a disadvantage. Yet Esther becomes a queen. And I'm not talking about just a queen that is graced to have her, her snapshot taken and wear a crown and be around for the ceremonial things. Esther became a political force. Uh, Esther became the... Sonia Gandhi, is that the right name? She became the Sonia Gandhi. She, she, Esther exercised political influence in an era where women, in fact, the, the queen that Esther replaced was deposed simply because she did not come to the palace when the king called for her. Yet Esther could walk in and out of the palace At will, she could have political discussions with the king and she could influence the the way that government operated. Are, Are you following? I'm not talking about someone who was born to a political family as it would be in the Gandhis in India or the Kennedys in the United States. I'm not even talking about someone who understood... This is a... This is not a college. This is a peasant girl who basically came fresh from the farm and walked into the palace. Everything 
possible was against her? An orphan. She's a woman. Not only is she a woman, she's a minority. It, if at first glance when you read the book of Esther, you, you think, oh, this is about, this happens about in Israel and this is about a Jewish king. It's not that way. Esther is not living in Israel. Esther is living in Persia. Esther is a Jew living in Persia. Persia is what, uh, what, was, what is now Iran and Iraq. That's Persia. And historically, well, you, you're, you, you guys know that the inhabitants of Iran and Iraq have had some issues with the Jews. You're aware of that. Okay. Those tensions and those... Oh, I forgot this. Esther, the only reason she's in Persia is because her family had been carried there in captivity. Are you seeing the line of things that were against her? Orphan, woman, minority, history of captivity. But none of those things matter because when favor comes your way, Favor can break the chains of every obstacle that's in your path. I'm preaching to somebody. To Do you know what happened with Esther? There came a day that Esther walked into that palace as a peasant. And she had one encounter with the king. And she walked out queen. You didn't I'll act it out again. I'm, I'm a bad actor. There came a day when she walked into the palace as a peasant and she had one encounter with the king. Never underestimate the potential of one encounter. Never underestimate the potential of one prayer. Never underestimate the potential of one service, one Sunday morning, one time of worship, she walked into the palace, had one encounter with the king, and walked out queen. I don't know how you walked into this room this morning, but let's discuss for just a moment the potential of how you can walk out of this room this morning. You may have walked in here in peasantry of spirit, but you can walk out of here royalty with favor and destiny on your life. All it takes is one encounter with the king. Tell somebody next to you, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared for favor to come into my life. Tell them, I want that. You see, it's not enough for you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to get used to saying the word favor because I want it to become your favorite word. Favor. Say it again, favor, favor. Tell, tell that the person next to you, favor's coming to me. Why are you saying that, Tom? Because I want you to understand, if favor can visit Esther and elevate her destiny, put her in the mo most powerful uh, kingdom that existed in the wor world at that time, if favor can do that for Esther, then favor can do it for you. There, there's. I, I need to read a scripture so you guys think I'm preaching. Uh, 
Esther chapter 2. Let's just read verse 15. I've already kind of talked to you a little bit about what happened. That when the king was, was shopping for a new queen, he called for all the young maidens to come to the palace and they spent time in preparation. If, if I, 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 I need to come back to new life and just do a whole conference on the favor of God. Wouldn't that be fun? She spent 12 months in preparation for one night. She spent six months soaking in oil of myrrh. Do you know what myrrh is? Myrrh is an aromatic fragrance. It's, it's, a, it's used in incense. It's used in perfume. She spent six months soaking in oil of myrrh and six months soaking in other spices. Can you imagine what Esther smelled like after 12 months of soaking in fragrant perfumes? You could smell Esther before you could see Esther. Here comes Esther. I, I don't see her. No, I smell her. She'll come around the corner any moment. She spent time in preparation. Yet some of us want to go straight into the king's presence and gain his favor without bothering to spend any time in preparation. Frag uh, Myrrh is the primary ingredient in the holy anointing oil. Do you know what the purpose of the anointing, everybody talks about the anointing, I want to be in, do you know what the real purpose of the anointing is? It's to camouflage the stench of your humanity so the king can stand to be in the same room with you. Purpose of the anointing is not to sort of give you a thrill, ooh, I feel something here, no. God dispenses, it's, by the way, it's the king's anointing. It's not your anointing. The, uh, imagine this for just a moment. Esther spends all of this time soaking in the oil. She looks good. She, well, she doesn't have, the, she doesn't have the, the, the walk of a peasant. She has the regal bearing of a princess now. And she, she looks good. She smells good. Every young boy in the palace, when Esther walks by, they go, <laughs> Esther, let's, let's talk. Esther has only one legitimate reply. I can't talk to you. Yeah, but why, Esther? You, you look good. You smell good. Esther's only legitimate reply is, it's not for you. It's the king's anointing. Sometimes we prostitute the king's anointing to gain favor with people other than the king. I don't know if you understood how strongly I stated that. But I'll put it this way. Don't flirt. What if Esther, when some young boy said, you look good, you smell good, she said, oh, good, yeah, let's talk. She would have forfeited her right 
her opportunity, her chance. The king would have said, no, I, I don't want to. If, if I'm the one that paid for the oil, I'm the one that put the dress, I'm the one that gave you the breath you're breathing, and you want to squander it, don't flirt with lower lovers. Save yourself for the king. If you want favor, that's one of the best things I could tell you. The Bible says in Esther 2.15, I'm, I'm supposed to almost be done. and I just got started. I told you I needed three days. The Bible says in Esther 2.15, it said, uh, when the turn of Esther, because every, every young girl had their turn. They had their date with the king. When it was Esther's turn, Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who he had adopted, when, when it was her turn to go to the king, oh, can, can I have about one bonus minute? You won't take it away from me at the end? Okay, maybe what God sent me to new life today is pretty simple. Maybe what God sent me to tell you is, it's your turn. Tell somebody next to you, it's my turn. For what? For favor. Remember what favor can do? It can take, it can elevate a peasant to a princess. It can turn around your life. And I don't want you to say it happens for everybody. No, if it can happen for Esther, it can happen for you. Somebody say hallelujah. I need that. When Esther's turn came to go into the king, she required nothing but what Haggai the king's eunuch, the keeper of the women who was in charge of the harem, she required nothing but what Haggai suggested. And Esther won the favor of everyone that saw her. Wouldn't that be just great? Everybody that saw you, you get favor. You get the best deals in the market. You get the best places to live. When people just look at you, they just say, here, you can have mine. You, you can do this. She won the favor of everybody else in the palace. Then uh, can they put verse 17 on the screen? Because I, I want to fast forward because favor comes in two flavors. Uh, Rob took us to an incredible restaurant last night and they served us some gelato, some ice cream, and one flavor was berry, I remember. Another flavor was cinnamon. I'd never had cinnamon ice cream, only in India, <laughs> the land of spices. Favor comes in two flavors. The first verse, verse 15 we read, it said, she found favor in the eyes of all them that look. There's favor with man. But in verse 17, it says... Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women and she won whose favor? His favor. And approval more than all the other versions. And he set the crown on her head and made her queen. So verse 15 is favor with man. Verse 17 is favor with the king. If you had a choice... Which would you rather have? Favor with man or favor with the king? 
You need to understand. Don't spend your energy trying to gain favor with people who cannot affect your destiny. Uh, I need to say that again. Don't spend your energy. Don't, don't even worry about people who have no control over your destiny. In fact, not one person in this room can substantially affect your destiny if the king gives you favor. What I, what I want you to understand is, oh, this is something that may be shocking for you to hear come out of the mouth of a pastor. But I need you to hear this. You don't need everyone to like you. And if you spend all of your energies trying to get everybody to like you, you may lose the opportunity to gain the approval of the only one who can really affect your destiny. You don't need everyone to like you. You just need the right one to like you. If the king likes you, it doesn't matter who dislikes you. How many of you want favor with the king? I want to pray for you today. I I hope that by laying out a few things and removing a few roadblocks that I've helped you to understand that you don't need everybody to like you. You just need the right one. You, you need God's favor. So concentrate your energies and what's needed. You know that there are some things that you can do to enhance the favor of the king on your life. There are some things. Uh, one of the things is you study the things that you know the king doesn't like. And you avoid those. The Bible says that Esther listened to the Hegai, the keeper of the women, and wore what he suggested. I, I'm not the king. Please don't think so. But I, I'm a servant of the king, and I've spent 40 plus years studying what I call the manual of what the king likes and what he doesn't like. Now, you don't have to listen to me. I'll ask you one, one last question here before we go. What if, uh, what if the king was allergic to a particular fragrance? Maybe that's why he insisted that all of his potential dates only wear the perfume with the brand myrrh. I don't know, uh, some years ago probably over 10 years ago, around my 25th wedding anniversary, we, my wife was with me in London and we went through a beautiful shopping thing and we passed through the fragrance counter where all the perfumes were and they were spraying something and, and uh, I said, oh, let's, let's get you some new perfume. And she said, okay, but you better be careful. You know, uh, you're allergic to some things. Do you know that she wound up buying a perfume that I am allergic to. She only wore it once. I don't know where it is, but the last thing you want is for your bride. You, you don't want to be allergic to her. What, what if the king, uh, you know, maybe uh, Esther had said, um, 
I don't like myrrh. Oh, by the way, I, I have some news for all of you. God has this incredible idea. He thinks church is about him. When we turn church into something that's about us, I don't like myrrh. They're not playing my kind of song. I don't like this. I, I beg your pardon? It's not about us singing your favorite song. God has this idea. It's about Him. If, if you can understand. Okay, so Esther says, I don't like myrrh. I, uh, I choose to wear the fragrance of frankincense. After all, that is also a biblical fragrance. I'm going to wear frankincense. Okay, Esther. Because Esther chapter 2 verse 13 says that they could wear whatever they want. So if you want to wear frankincense, that's fine. We suggest myrrh. You, you wear frankincense. So when it's Esther's turn, everybody say Esther's turn. When it's Esther's turn and they go to introduce her to the king, your majesty, Esther of Susa, she bows in her beautiful sari, wafts the fragrance of frankincense toward his nostrils. And the king looks at her and he goes, <gasps> He calls his guys and he said, uh, guys, I, uh, I thought I told you, myrrh. I, <gasps> I smell frankincense. I'm, you, know, you guys know, you servants of the palace, you know I'm allergic to frankincense. Well, I, I, Your Majesty, we told her, myrrh, but she insisted on frankincense. I'm sorry then, I can't see her. Usher her out. Some people wonder why the king exits the premises when you walk in. Some people wonder why the king leaves the room. When maybe he's allergic to your attitude. Maybe you just are so insistent on, no, I want to wear this. I want to act like that. I want to be this way. Okay, okay, okay. Pastor Chad, we cannot, we cannot force you. We can't make wear what you want. But don't blame us when the king gives favor to someone else because they learned what the king likes. I challenge you, become a student of what he likes and favor will follow. You don't have to listen to me. I'm just a servant in the palace. But I've been studying the king and I can tell you there's some things he don't like, some attitudes he don't like, and some things. Uh, the Bible says in that Esther 2, can you put verse 15 back up? It says that she only wore, Esther 2.15 says, she only, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai suggested. In other words, she wore the dress he told her to wear. Can you imagine all the other girls shopping? How, how would you like to go shopping with the King's Platinum American Express card? 
Oh, fresh anointing came in the room. All the girls, yes, I want to. Okay, all these girls are shopping. They, I want this dress. I like that color. I want this one. Oh, this is my favorite. Yet in the middle of that, Esther, is she can't find a dress. And, and the king's servant, head guy, asked her, Esther, don't you like? Oh, no, I love these dresses. I've never seen silks and satins like this. Well, pick one. Pick whichever one you like. And the response of Esther would have been, you see that, Mr. Haggai, it's not about which dress I like. It's about which dress the king likes. And suddenly the wisdom of Esther percolates. It bubbles to the surface. Says, she said, why don't you tell me which dress to wear? I'm not the king. I've just been studying the king's manual. And would you like it if the last thing I did before I walked off this stage is I told you one secret from the king's manual and I told you I know what the king's favorite dress is. There are people here today who said, no, it doesn't matter. I don't like that dress. And In fact, there are men here that said, I'm a man. Get over it. You're the bride of Christ. <laughs> would, would you like to know what the king's favorite dress is? I, f- I found it in the manual that tells us what the king likes. The Bible says to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaven. Yeah, but Tommy, I don't like that. I don't... I think people are just trying to get us excited for no reason. Okay, okay. You wear whatever you wear. A sour attitude. Uh, you don't. You don't have to praise God, but don't blame me. Don't blame Pastor Chadwick when God picks someone else to deposit favor on. But if you put on the garment of praise, the favor of God can flow to you. I wish someone would put on that garment right now. Why don't you stand to your feet, clap your hands, and begin to praise God right now. Come on. Praise Him. Come on, Esther. It's your turn. It's your time. This is your moment. I don't know how you walked in, but I know how you can walk out of here with the favor of God on your life. Some of us are more worried about what other people think about us. So I don't want to look like I'm going too overboard. I have to, I have to clap and be cool. You need to get to the point where you don't care what anybody else thinks about you. All you care about is do I have the favor of the king. Remember, it doesn't matter who dislikes you as long as the king does like you. Your worship attracts him. He is allergic to non-worshippers, but the Bible said he draws near to those of a broken heart. Some things attract God. Some things repel God. Praise attracts him. So I encourage you, find out what the king likes. Wear what he likes. His favorite dress is praise. Put on the garment of praise 
even when you feel the spirit of heaviness. That means you can feel heavy and praise good. That praise is not dependent upon how you feel. It's dependent upon his position as the king. I don't care what you feel like. Put the right dress on and your destiny can change. Amen. Lift up another shout of praise to the king.